it's, I think it's interesting. I'm, mm. I'm going to always sort of, I'm an eternal optimist who also is very good at planning for like catastrophic failure. We met up with Congresswoman Abigail Spamberger, who represents the 7th District of the Commonwealth of Virginia in the United States House of Representatives. My producer made me say all that. She's a former high school history teacher and takes this stuff very seriously. Anywho, Representative Spamberger walked with me in historic Occoquan on a very cold day. If you haven't been, it is beautiful. And the word Occoquan comes from an indigenous language, meaning at the head of the water. As we have a mile-long conversation, just listen to how Representative Spamberger's CIA training never left her. The jams she listens to to get work done, tips for surviving today's political climate, and how her daughter is better at counting votes than, well, we'll get to that in a minute. This is Walk a Mile with Tommy McFly, presented by Downtown DC. Welcome to Occoquan. This is the top of Virginia 7, right? That's right. The, almost the northernmost part? That's right. And why did you bring me here? What's going on in Occoquan? Look at how wonderful it is. Um, so I'm actually here this afternoon because I'm going to be doing a small business tour with the mayor of the town. But it's a great little town. It has so much character. It's beautiful. really, really beautiful. And so hopefully it gives you a flavor of you know, one of the very unique places that's in the 7th. And we've got a bunch of really interesting towns and communities across the 7th. You'll have to come and do more walks. I'm totally down. We'll walk the whole 7th. We could do like a marathon <laughs> total. We've right? got at least two years. We can make it happen. It's fair. And when you got here, you're like, oh, I'm by the wine shop. But then we realized there was like three <laughs> wine shops, which I love a good town that has three wine shops and a chocolate I, shop and a boutique and all I the should things. I cla- should have clarified which wine shop I had parked in. I got, I arrived a little bit early. You never know with 95. Totally. Um, and I was coming from Capitol Hill. And so I stopped in the wine shop, but I didn't specify which one. Perfect. Until so, I realized no one else was arriving at the wine shop and realized eh, maybe there's... Maybe they went to one of the others. <laughs> if I looked at your phone, what would you be playing? What music? What's, what are you listening to? Some Eminem and Dr. Dre. Okay. And then, so if I pull up my Pandora, I've got my Till I Collapse radio. That's my Eminem. All right. I've got Mumford and Sons. Nice. I've got Danza Kadura radio. Nice. I've got my violins radio. I like it when like violins play hip hop. I yeah. think that's fun. Okay. Yeah. And You're then, eclectic taste. I love it. It depends on my mood. You're yeah. like the Wolf Trap lineup over here. It's everything and anything. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Then I got Wait For It Radio if you want to like dip into a little bit of like Hamilton and Hamilton mixtape. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to plow through my to-do list when I'm on my Till I Collapse radio playlist. <laughs> That's when emails start flying. That's right. You want to go down by the water? <laughs> yeah, always. I always go down by the water. So this is a, there's a, there's a lovely little restaurant over there. Mm-hmm. We've done some community gatherings over there. Yeah, um, what's that like? You were saying how like you kind of in your swing district, you're in rooms sometimes that are 50-50 you, 70-30 oh, you, 70-30 yeah. not you. I think one of my favorite events and and I, the county will go unnamed. Okay. Uh, so as to not identify the, the individuals. So I was at this event and it was an evening event. So it wasn't like a round table. Mm-hmm. It was a house party with farmers from across this one particular county. That sounds like a blast. And it was so wonderful. And we had so many, you know, ag specific questions and I serve on the agriculture committee and it was just a really lovely evening. And I was just so, you know, excited about all these people who had come. And on the way out, this one gentleman said to me, you know, it was really nice to meet you. 
you know, and I only came because so and so specific individual who will go unnamed on your podcast. And then so I love I, how you redact in real life too. <laughs> you can take a lady out of the CIA, but you can't. <laughs> and and so I was just laughing. Was, and then somebody else was like, oh, it was really nice to meet you. And they had asked me like a really pokey question. So it was very clear they were not aligned with me on everything. Yeah. I said, did you come because so-and-so forced you to come? He said, oh yeah, you know. Him. I said, oh, I know. And so, you know, but it was really lovely because it was a room full of people who otherwise were like a little begrudging about coming to a yeah. political event in the first place, totally. let alone a political event for a Democrat. Can I ask you about the most recent campaign? Because <sighs> it was a moment and it was a lot of time when I couldn't escape you. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine being you. How did you get out of bed in the morning when everything on TV and the radio, the Internet is like, she's the best, she's the worst, she's the best, she's the worst. How, how do you as a human function in that in that time? You... It's so impressive. Oh, that's that's kind. Um, a couple things. One, you like take Twitter off your phone. Nailed that's it. a helpful element. The good thing about campaigning, especially that close to the election, is you're so busy. You don't actually ever have time to right. like watch television or stream anything or do any of the things. But it, it is a little bit. I mean, my favorite thing, like right after the election when people, oh, I saw you. I said, yes, you know, it's it's over. I'm off your TV. I'm <laughs> off your TV. You know, but it's interesting because and also being you know, having so many TV ads on the DC media market, yeah. you know, it's, I was at an event the other evening and I was leaving and one of the women who was there totally unrelated to politics. I mean, it was at a restaurant. She was at the restaurant. And so she starts talking with me because of course, you know, she knows me from the TV commercials. And I mean, that happens Yeah. basically when I'm not on the Hill, even though I'm not in my district, when I'm not on the Hill, like in DC, if I'm someplace else, I was at an office building for a meeting the other day and the woman who was letting me in in the elevator was like, oh, I know you. You know, she's a D.C. resident. But yeah. She saw me on TV. So uh, it's very strange. Very strange. And I, I have this mental picture in my mind where if I put my hair in a ponytail and wear sunglasses, like I'm suddenly not okay. identifiable. <laughs> Does that work? Yeah. Some, I like the cold because then I get to put my hood up. <laughs> it's a very furry hood. That's yeah, true. You can hide is. pretty it's well It's a there. little ridiculous hood. Since it's not actually that cold out, but I'm going to go with it. This is, I call it my sleeping bag jacket. It's huge. My my children <laughs> mock me mercilessly, but not nearly as terribly as Alyssa Slotkin, Democrat from Michigan. Of course, yes. Yeah, we were walking between events yesterday and I put my hood up and she looked at me with such disdain. So Abigail, you're not, it's Alyssa, it's cold outside. But she's a Michiganer. She can go out in a t-shirt uh, in this weather. That's right. She's that's built right. for that. We're not built for that. I that's get it. I told her my like cold Virginia blood, but... Um, I grew up in Scranton and I moved here in 2006 and I've lost my Scranton you've lost skin. lost it? I can't, I can't. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. such a wimp now. Yeah, so she mocks me mercilessly. It's fine. But I, I think I might wear this till April just to, just to, just to have hair. a look. Yeah, yeah. It's warm. It's warm. <laughs> so with things going on on the Hill this year, I obviously can't ask you for stock tips, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, I'm so sorry. How's that going? Trying to get members of Congress to get banned from trading stocks? You know, it's so bipartisan in support and so bipartisan in lack of support. <laughs> <laughs> So you're bringing everyone together. I'm bringing everyone that. together, loving the bill or hating the bill. Take your pick. Um, you know, I think we, we continue to make progress in that, you know, Chip and I, this is now the third time we've introduced mm -hmm. it, right? Every two years with Congress, you got to reintroduce it. Totally. And we had the most bipartisan or the most co-sponsors bipartisan awesome. at introduction this time than we have in the past. Last Congress, we got up to 75 co-sponsors. This time we introduced with 35. We're already over 50. You know, there's some new members who actually campaigned on this principle and mm -hmm. said they'd sign on to the legislation. And so we're pushing, we're pushing. We're kind of at this moment, there's a lot of 
things going on. So we're going to kind of let the dust settle from the speaker vote and all of the promises that the speaker made. But this this bill, we wanted to move forward. And so we're we're working and gathering a big crowd across the spectrum. It's an interesting thing. Like when you bring it up, you're like, yeah, why are they trading stocks? That doesn't seem like it's the best idea. Well, and it's actually interesting. The number of people who are surprised, Mm -hmm. who don't realize, I I think an important piece is it's not like, yes, insider trading is illegal, but really what we're trying to contend with is even the perception of impropriety. Right. And so when you have members of Congress who are buying stocks that presumably might be COVID related or Mm -hmm. Russia invading Ukraine related, it just doesn't seem appropriate. Totally. And so if there's a place that we can make a change and say, okay, like save for your retirement, you can have mutual funds, but there's no reason to buy and sell individual stocks. I mean, frankly, we're busy, right? Right. Who has time for these things? You have time to watch television. You should be on (laughs) Android too. I can't even remember what TV I watch or what music I listen to. I certainly shouldn't be. uh, (laughs) So uh, what what were you doing? How were you passing the time, all of that time between the 700 speaker votes? We saw Katie Porter very famously reading (laughs) The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Great book, by the way. How are you passing the time? So a couple different ways. So on swearing in day, my kids were visiting. So I had two of my three daughters were on the floor with me. My littlest was playing with some of the other kids. Cool. And my oldest, who's 14, is a very astute vote counter. So she was very preoccupied counting votes and reporting to the colleagues. Like a little whip running around the house. And I had told my I had told some of my colleagues like this. This is not going to be one vote. And a lot of the Democrats said, no, no, everybody will vote. It'll be fine. They're just saying that. I said, no, you don't like it. Literally, this is not going to happen and one and done. And so by the C's, because we knew how many votes he could lose, by the C's, my daughter's like, it's done. It's done. She's got her notes. And it's funny because she had said to me afterwards. I love how your daughter had a better count of the votes than Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> she, well, and she was, and, and I actually, some of my colleagues were like, okay, who is that who just voted for somebody else? And my daughter's like, it's so-and-so. They voted for so-and-so. And she's like, okay, thanks. That's awesome. But she had, what a fun like school project, too. It's really funny. And she actually was really excited about it. So for days, she was like, why is he still going for this? Is it still happening? Like, so she was really tracking it. She, I mean, they went that one day they came and visited with us, but then they had to go back to school. Mm-hmm. But she was funny about it because she had said, you know, you know, mommy, I always thought your job was like interesting, but that vote counting, that was fun. <laughs> and so that's awesome. Like, okay. Well. See, you, you Pandora, not cool, but vote counting is cool to the kids. That's right. That's right. You got to take the layups when you can. Yeah, as a I mom. will take the wins where I got them. <laughs> I want to talk about your previous life too, unless you have to kill me, but like your time at the CIA. I think someone's filming. That would be very terrible. <laughs> that's true. What, what can you talk about what you did at, at the CIA? Yeah. So um, I was a case officer. Mm-hmm. So in CIA terms, basically what that means is I was recruiting foreign nationals to commit espionage, provide information, and and working with, or handling as we call it, individuals who are reporting information that's of value to the U.S. government. And so it's a little bit like some of the spy novels and movies, but with a lot more like report writing. Right. <laughs> I was gonna ask, are and you- And congressional <laughs> oversight for the record. More of a Claire Danes or Jack Ryan character. Who were you in this, in this scenario? Well. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Those are both fantastical characters. Are, are there any movies or any shows that you think like get the CIA close to correct? Well, there's like little blips of like my dad's Essex. a cop and okay. you can't watch a cop show with him. He's like, no, nope, that never happened. They had to report for that. There's no tape there. What's going on there? Got to read in the rights. I'm like, yeah, you're killing the show. Like, you're just let it happen. It. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's elements that's funny mm -hmm. and, and like, so, I mean, Homeland is like the furthest thing from real, but they get some of the personalities, right? Okay. Um, and they get some of the like, you know, turf and tension between like different federal agencies, right? But like, other than that, it's absolutely fantastical and, you know, the like, somebody going like rogue and like just wandering off yeah. to a foreign country and just doing her own ops for, you know, whatever that just does not happen. Not a lot of Saul Berenson's running around. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so it's so fascinating to talk to people who can like talk about what they did, but can't say a word about what they did at the same time. And you nailed it. Well, yeah, <laughs> nice work. thank you. You know, it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, if a lot of jobs are just kind of odd, right. And it's yeah. an odd job. Totally. Right? And a very I DC... mean, like you walk around and just talk to people. That's true. Right? I like, literally talk job. about my job, though. Mm, that's fair. 100%. Yeah. When you're uh, when you're looking at just ahead at this at this new Congress, the, mm -hmm. the 118. Yep. Are you hopeful, trepidatious, excited, nervous? I mean, it's it's interesting. What's the mood board saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a mood board. You know, I think it's I think it's interesting. I'm mm -hmm. I'm gonna always sort of I'm an eternal optimist who also is very good at planning for like catastrophic failure. So I'm very optimistic about all of the things that sort of you know can be present or opportunities that could be present mm -hmm. in terms of you know there's a lot of new members on the Democratic side of the aisle. It's a great opportunity for them to like get the lay of the land like learn how Congress functions, yeah. start introducing legislation, work towards trying to push things forward. You know, frankly, we did a lot of great legislating last mm -hmm. Congress. And so between the infrastructure bill and the CHIPS Act and Inflation Reduction Act and, you know, on and on and on and bills that I passed, the Summer Barrow Prevention Recovery or Treatment and Recovery Act, like, there's a lot of federal support, a lot of federal dollars, a lot of projects and programs that we created, the president signed into law through, you know, that we created through legislation. So some of the implementation of like actually seeing what we've done, yeah, like that's really occurring now. Do you think when you go around the seventh and as you've been just campaigning, people are understanding that? Like I, I often wonder like living in DC, right? I feel yeah. like I'm in the bubble. I wonder what, you're hearing when you go talk to humans? So uh, the answer is yes, they do. And no, they don't. Okay. Right. I mean, so intellectually, sure, we have the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And so intellectually, you know, people, especially in portions of the 7th District where infrastructure, be it broadband connectivity, be it roads and bridges, like those are really big issues. Yeah. And so people know that it happened, but it's not, you know, some of it's, I mean, you don't just like build a road or fix a bridge. Right. Right. And so it's the sort of slow burn of, OK, this r bridge project that everybody knew we need to fix this bridge. Now we're actually going to do it. Mm -hmm. That won't actually start for a couple months. Like, but we're actually going to do it now because of the infrastructure bill. Like that's a that's, that's a, a process. A longer minute. Yeah. Yeah. And so things like that. And you're on the agriculture. You're dealing with yeah. meat and eggs and stuff, too, which yes. is a far cry from the CIA. That's right. That's right. And law and enforcement. conservation programs and. You know, I mean, the Ag Committee is just incredibly interesting. Mm -hmm. What is yeah. being done about like meats and eggs and prices and all that stuff? Are you sure you want to ask that Yeah, question? bring it on. Okay. We only have a mile, though, so just okay. keep the answer okay. short. <laughs> um, so one of the, my big sort of areas of super significant interest and passion. Mm -hmm. So I, so the 7th District, right? Very suburban, urban place um, at the moment. It's a whole but, lot of environments in the 7th District, though. Yeah, but the majority of the district indeed is 
rural and agriculture in terms of landmass, not people, mm-hmm. but landmass. And I represent a lot of uh, livestock producers, in particular cattlemen. And just notably within Virginia, agriculture is our number one private industry. And, you know, that in Virginia means a lot of smaller family farms. Mm-hmm. What, what we see across the board is that especially smaller producers, if you don't have a localized processor, so you've got the animal, the animal needs to get processed. processed <laughs> so it can you know move on to the grocery store or the farmer's market or whatever. There's major consolidation in the meat processing industry. There's mm-hmm. four major uh, companies. They have a total monopoly. That became very clear during COVID. That became very clear in COVID. I mean, one, you've got the issue of consolidation within the industry, which manifests itself in, you know, when there was a pork processing plant where the workers got COVID, all right. of a sudden it shut down, right? But what that means for smaller family farmers is there's, you know, sweetheart deals and there's lots of, you know, if, if you have a thousand head of cattle or 5,000 head of cattle, like that's a different operation than yep. 150. And so that creates major issues for smaller producers, particularly like those in Virginia or in Virginia's 7th district, where you just, like you're, you don't have as many options. Mm-hmm. And, oh, the beautiful waterfall. I know, the Aqua um, River Bridge. <laughs> this bridge seems like brand new. I think it was already touched by the infrastructure bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'll let you claim it. I won't fact check you. I don't think that? that's true. But... Uh, definitely not true. I think it would have been a press conference. <laughs> Um, you would have cut some yeah. revenue. This was a new infrastructure bridge. <laughs> That's right. Ta-da, we built it yesterday. And so a couple things. Like one, I, I've got a bill, the Meat and Poultry Special Investigators Act, because we actually have laws on the books trying to not have consolidation within meatpacking, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a hundred-year-old rule. There's a lots of gamesmanship. And without a special investigator at USDA, like DOJ's got a lot going on. Right, they're a little busy. Going after like, you know, monopolistic behavior in the meatpacking is like not necessarily right. rising to the <laughs> scope of what Page we need two, to try. for sure. But it is a problem. Yeah. Um, so I've got that legislation, which we passed in the House actually last Congress and worked to get it a vote in the Senate. It's bipartisan in the Senate. And so, you know, I, I'm still pushing for it. Another piece of legislation we've worked on, the Butcher Block Act, and this is interesting. It's a great name. I love the uh, names on these things. <laughs> it's I like it when it's simple. Sometimes with like the overly yes. creative uh, <laughs> acronyms, it becomes too difficult. But Butcher Block, you, you got a visual, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> and so the Butcher Block Act is uh, federal support for small processors. Have so. you thought about your next bill, just calling it like the I Love America Act? And be like, I dare you to vote against the I Love America Act. Okay. I dare you. <laughs> I like that. I did have a Securing America's Borders Against Fentanyl Act, which I feel was pretty yeah, that's straightforward. A good name. Yeah. I think so. I dare you to vote against that. I dare you. I dare you. <laughs> on name alone. On name alone. I see on the internet you're the fifth most bipartisan member, third Democrat, number well, one in technically, Virginia. I gotta, I gotta correct you on something. Did you get bumped up? Well, so when Antonio Delgado became the lieutenant governor uh-huh. of New York, he had been number four. Oh. So I think I wasn't going to argue with the rankings. Very cool. But I do think I generally I, I bumped up a slot as soon as he was off. How do they how do they figure that? Is it like voting record, talent competition, interview portion? <laughs> What's the way that how I do they come about? I didn't have to dance. That if that's note. what you're asking. Yeah. So there's various different formulas that they yeah. use. Uh, but just like the, it's, the, it's, the personalities in your office. Oh, yeah. And the, the larger office. Your office is, I'm sure, wonderful. Your team. And but my team is extraordinary. It seems a little bit like Congress can be kind of like the Star Wars bar sometimes. So how do you manage that, trying to be someone who brings people together? 
I know that sounds like a, like a, like a no. softball question, but I kind of am curious. No, well, there's elements of a, a joke in here, but also obvious areas of very s- real seriousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some real characters in Congress. Yep. And so you have to have a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, All right. And, you know, the thing I find interesting is you have to find a little bit of humanity. And, and mm-hmm. there, to be clear, like there's a couple folks on the other side of the aisle who are not serious actors and don't believe in governance, right? So right. you're not going to sign under my legislation. We're not going to agree, but, you know. Going to avoid you at the Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> but then you've got, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll use my one of my favorite examples, right? Like Chip Roy. Chip Roy and I are in very different places, politically okay. speaking. True. We have the same birthday. There you go. You got that in common. And we befriended each other because UVA basketball was doing really well our first term in Congress. And uh, he was wearing a UVA tie. We both went to UVA. And so then from there, it's like, okay, well, what can we work on together? And huh. we disagree. And so we worked on the banning stock trading bill. Are those conversations um, going on though? Like, hey, we disagree on basically everything, but here's the one thing, so let's with, talk about with that. With Chip, yeah. literally, yes. Cool. So one day during COVID, you know, on the floor, like votes take forever and mm-hmm. we're sitting down next to each other Actually, this must have been even before COVID. Yeah, this was before yeah, COVID. There were votes on the floor, um, yeah. So we're sitting down next to each other. We said, what, 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 what could we agree on? And so we, we started naming things. For funsies. No, no, no. <laughs> we both agree that the debt is a major issue. You know, of course, we both have very different ways to contend with that. <laughs> True. So our first piece of legislation that we worked on together, it's gimmicky. I acknowledge that completely. But it was like a good place for us to potentially work together is... I was his co-lead on a piece of legislation that would require a debt clock in the appropriations room. Okay. Right? I mean, kind of cheesy. Nobody was ever really going to bring it up for a vote, but I liked the sentiment, right? I believe that you should make data-informed decisions knowing that. They're on the bus stops in D.C., so, I I mean, sure, why not? Yeah. So that was the first one. And we literally one day had (laughs) a conversation (laughs) about, you know, the debt and, you know, and he's talking about like, oh, you know, I mean, I'm buying my souped up truck and da 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 you know you got to pay the credit card and i was like yeah i mean if i could just spend money willy-nilly like you know electric vehicle and he looks at me he's like of course you would and i said of course you would right so we're like leaning into some of the stereotypes about like you know if money were no object the like the different things we would it sounds be doing. like a buddy cop film congratulations on the intelligence committee i'm position. very excited yeah it seems like why did that happen earlier you should <laughs> you should be on the intelligence committee because you had an intelligence career one would think one would think so what can you tell me about the work that you're going to be doing on there? Because I know that's like super duper classified. Yeah, I mean, so, and more of it I know from having been on the other side. Right. I, you know, there's oversight, right? There's, mm-hmm. that's the really interesting thing about the intelligence world is you do all of these things in the shadows. You don't talk about your work. There's no real kind of opportunity to get checked on a daily basis by the press or by, you know, and the difference would be, you know, State Department, right? Secretary of State is out somewhere. He's giving a very public speech. People are critiquing it. People are applauding it. Everybody's got an opinion. Yeah. You know, what the department's doing, what their statements are. And certainly they do things discreetly or privately as well. But with CIA, it's always like that, right? right? Like months later, it's, oh, the director was, you know, in Ukraine talking with the Ukrainians, right? Months later, you find these things out. Yeah. And so oversight is really important because Congress is really the only check mm-hmm. on what it is that the intelligence community is doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's one element of it, an important element of it. And certainly, you know, when I was there, 
we as CIA officers recognized the importance of it. So, you know, there was a reality that you got to always tell Congress <laughs> what you got going yeah. on. Um, but then also I represent many people who work within the intelligence community for various different agencies. Right. And there's some real challenges that people are facing. I mean, Havana syndrome mm -hmm. being one of them. Um, and so to be in the position to be able to use that committee to not only, you know, bring a certain experience set that I have there to make sure that, you know, there's proper oversight and prioritization of national security, but also just to, to be there as a representative for uh, certainly people of the seventh, but more broadly Virginians. Yeah. Because, I mean, so many of our intelligence agencies are either headquartered in Virginia or have uh, offices or a presence here. Totally. And then so many of the people who devote their lives to the security of our nation, you know, when they're back in the States, they're, a lot of them are in Virginia. Yep. Some over, you know, just across the way in Maryland. That's also um, true. Yeah. This is where they keep coming. They keep rotating through. Is it um, weird for you to go from the lady who could never talk about your work ever or was not supposed to be in the spotlight ever to be in the lady who like walks around with guys like me and gets in front of podiums <laughs> and gets on TV and a hundred percent. How is that? Like, how did you even like switch your brain to that's a full 180? I think one of the best moments of that was when I was practicing. So I went through this process. I had to get my employment declassified and this I, I had done this after I left the agency well before I thought I was going to run for mm -hmm. anything. But I, when I was going to move into the private sector, I wanted I, to be able to talk about I wanted, that. You well, did and it, also not my, what you did. my cover resume basically was like, she showed up to work, right? Because right? when <laughs> your job is really just your cover job, your yeah. resume is pretty terrible. That's true. So I wanted <laughs> the like, my like cleared cover resume was like, <laughs> she's alive and she shows up. Um, and so I went through this process to get my employment declassified. Can you say what your cover was? Nope. Like, like your industry? Nope. Nope. Man. And. Good, for national uh, security. I'm glad you can't tell me. I don't want to know anyway. That's fine. <laughs> and and so I went through this this process, but I was super uncomfortable talking about it. And so like I was a Girl Scout leader and you know, the parents in my Girl Scout troop, like they knew I had been, you know, whatever. They didn't know what I had done. Yeah. And so some of my friends who I had told my cover story, you don't ever there's never really a reason right. to, to be like, oh hey, just FYI, everything I ever told you was actually not true. <laughs> But then when you're going to run for office, then you have to have that conversation. Right. So I called some people and I said, well, just so you know, two <laughs> things. One, I'm going to run for Congress. And two, you should probably know I used to work for CIA and that's going to come out. But when I was Were like, you like, everything I said was a lie, but from now on, I'm always telling the truth. Always telling the truth. <laughs> and I remember one time when I was like practicing, I was going to have a big event. I was practicing my like speech and I, you know, I'm a new candidate, so of I'm course. pretty nervous about it anyway. And my husband looks at me and says, you need to stand in front of a mirror and say the word CIA, the acronym CIA, over and over and over. Because right now, it's really creepy. Because <laughs> evidently, I would like, and then when I worked at, and I would like twitch or like swallow my words. And he's like, I'm sorry, like, you have to practice this because it just looked like your physicality is really terrible. That's a good partner. He's a wonderful that's husband. Like, that's wonderful a good husband. person to do that. Marry the man who tells you you look creepy when you say CIA in a strange way and you will forever be happy. Um, I mean, if that's not the headline of the podcast, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, he's wonderful for many reasons, but his truthfulness is certainly one of them. But yeah, and I had to actually practice it because it's, I mean, it used to be like I used to practice like in the event that like anybody would say it, like you would have to be unflinching. Like yeah. if we're just talking and like, oh, blah, 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 CIA. Like to be like, I've never heard of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uninterested. 
And then now I'm saying it all the time. And it, it and it's funny because I know it makes many of my friends uncomfortable. I'm like, mm -hmm. I say it all the time. <laughs> yeah. We are rolling up now to the town hall of historic Occoquan. Yes, You've got to meet I the, see mayor. the mayor. Waiting for me, Congresswoman Spanberger. So great to spend this Thank mile you with you. For Thank your you time. for an awesome walk. Oh, this was great. Thank you so much for listening to walk a mile we're in the middle of an exciting second season so please subscribe because there's new episodes coming out all the time and by the way season one was pretty awesome if i do say so myself so you'll get all those episodes too thanks for listening walk a mile with tommy mcfly is produced by real fun content